Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 55th episode of According to Alan. I am your host, Alan Moskowski, sitting in for Josh Van Dyke today, who is knocking out some video projects as Kyle Muha. Say what's up, Kyle. Hey, what's up, everybody? So we'd never, uh, we did not do any kind of rehearsal or anything. So Kyle, you have no idea how to act in these things. No, not at all. Have you heard any of these podcasts before? Yes, I did. When I uh, did the review, the year in review podcast, I spent a good amount of time going through a lot of the podcasts. So I got somewhat of an idea of how the flow of this goes. Nice. So you started about two months ago, essentially, more so like being around a lot more the last couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. I've got my hands dirty in a few different <laughs> amount of things outside of the audio work, so uh, it's been nice getting a little bit more versatile, I guess, around the office. Kyle, you got the full Local 219 experience. We, you come in to do one thing, and you're thrown to the wolves on a million other things, <laughs> <laughs> and my apologies for that. Um, if, you haven't, if you've been paying attention, you know that we haven't podcast in like a month. And there's just been a lot of stuff going on. And I think the first thing I want to kind of talk about is my, my dad. Um, he passed away about a month ago. And uh, the last podcast I did with Martin, I mentioned that he was sick. And if you guys had any kind of like sayings or messages or anything, and um, feel free to send it to him. And uh, unfortunately, that's just the way life is. Uh, and it's just been really tough. But at the end of the day, though, it's been really awesome to see the support from everybody from the communal side. I think the week of it, I was a zombie. I w- it was hard to really take on. But um, just everywhere I went, it was like the condolences and um, just really showed what kind of support really exists in this community. So I want to thank everybody for that. I know the flowers that we received was awesome. I think we had over 600 people at the wake, which was crazy. Um, and just the level of support and uh, that whole aspect of it, when, especially in a time in your life when you just don't really know how to expect or act or anything, um, really important. And I know for myself, um, I never really felt depression before. Um, it's just not something that I've ever had in my mind. And uh, it was probably the first time I could honestly say what I can, I, I know what it feels like now. Um, that Wednesday after it happened, I, my body was like shutting down. I felt like I was having a heart attack. I was, I was pissing out of my ass. Um, no solid shits whatsoever. It was just brutal. Um, I didn't want to get out of bed at all. Um, and it was just like, I, I just felt like I, I lost a part of me. Um, so I'm sure it's been some time since I've had it, you know, we've gone and, and talked about it. So I just want to kind of update everybody on that. And again, thank you so much for all the support and everything. It really does mean a lot, especially even if I can't like exactly accentuate what that feels like in the moment of you telling me that I, you know, you have my support and anything that I need, which I should have, I was thinking about this, Kyle, how many times someone told me if you need anything let me know i was really thinking of like ways to come up with a response to that like there's got to be a funny response to that i don't know what it is but there's got to be something yeah i'm not really sure what what a response is to something like that what could be funny for that i guess yeah well i know i i I talked to uh i I told one guy matt wince who's our weather guy um who does our weather he's he's an he's our he's an nbc five nbc cleveland affiliate meteorologist and uh, I was, he's like, hey, if there's anything you need, man, let me know. And I'm like, well, um, what kind of bobbleheads do you have? <laughs> and he ended up sending me the Tito Francona bobblehead that's on my desk now. So thank you to that, Matt. And that, that is actually a good segue um, to kind of get off of that topic. But um, 
We have officially came up with a partnership with Region Weather, the Facebook page. And so you will now know that as Region Weather presented by Local 219. For the last couple months, we've really tried to the experiment with using our page and try to give people weather. And we've had great sponsorships and great relations with Bozak and Fleet Feet. And uh, it just really wasn't working for us um, on our page. And Matt and I, we were, we were going, we were talking weekly. And Martin Oleksi, who was um, on the podcast last time, and uh, we were just really discussing a lot of that stuff and how we can make it as good as possible. And it just seemed to be out of place on our page. Um, and it, we never really got a good following behind it. So um, it will no longer be on our local 219 page unless it's something serious where I can rip it from Region Weather and put it on ours. But essentially, it's going to be Region Weather. So please go over there and follow that. Um, it will be sponsored by a lot of local businesses. And it's really cool. It's something I'm really excited about because weather is such a important and crucial part of our like what our day existence I, I guess you'd say um and it's just a fun way to add more content and we're already kind of hitting this simple stick um with more creative ideas to make the weather more interesting any ideas on how to make the weather more interesting kyle uh i'm not really sure uh <laughs> the weather is just the weather at the end of the day i don't know what what else uh yeah i'm i'm not sure putting me on the spot here is kind of tough too <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is uh, this is uh, you got to tell me once this is all done um, how I can be a better host because I feel like I put Josh in a very similar position every week. Um, but the other stuff that we've kind of had going on is we are we have been on a little bit of a hiatus from a programming side. If you followed us for a while, you know that that's normal. Um, we haven't gone anywhere. For those who don't know, that's not normal. Um, we are just literally trying to gather where we're at and gain our bearings and kind of take care of our clients. Number one. Um, because we have more than ever and the second thing is is that we're really trying to focus on the content moving forward so we really do want to do local 219 food we already have local 219 beer going full throttle um, we have our local 219 page and we really just want to bring the most engaging content ever um, unfortunately i can't as you guys know talk about this stuff publicly because people steal shit all the time um, but I, I can say that we're it's, it should be really exciting because if the stuff pans out to where we are, um, it should be really great content that people are going to really enjoy. But it has been one thing that's been really weird about this food part, Kyle, and that is it reminds me of how when we started Local 219 in general because when we first started this thing, no one knew who we were. And so um, I felt like even in the beer industry, I probably had relationships with like – I'm trying to think of a brewery I had a real relationship with. And I don't think it exists. I don't, I don't think when I started this, I had a great relationship with any brewery. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we'd hit up breweries and be like, hey, you know, we're lo- I'm Alan, Local 2 and I, and I'd love to, like, get in there and video some shit. And everyone was like, who the hell are these guys, you know? Um, and after a year, it's, like, amazing to see the growth of that. I mean, I can – there's I, I would consider now the majority of breweries really close friends between the Bryans at Crown Brewing, um, the guys at – Dave and Phil and Rod and Tay and Barb over at Off Square – or Drew and Devin at 18th Street, um, or Chris and Steve over at Devil's Trumpet. It's amazing to see Justin at Windmill. Um, and maybe the, the Bruisers podcast helped with that, or Dave and Kevin from Wild Rose. Now I feel like i got to say that. i got to mention everybody. Uh, that's a bad step to take. Um, and uh, even the Pacro, uh, Dave at Pacro. It's just crazy to see how all that kind of come through, and they're like really friends now. And so um, I've been kind of thrown back in that because since we're starting the food stuff and we've got a lot of food ideas, it's amazing how many restaurants just said no. 
it's like we're starting all over again. It's crazy. You think that after a year, people would be like, yeah, fuck yeah, do this stuff. It's like, nope, people still don't know who the hell we are. That's a reality. <laughs> and, it's, it's, and it's a piece of humble pie that we have to take. Um, and we've already had a couple of restaurants say, no, they don't want to be a part of anything. And so um, hopefully that that's not a, that's not a trend that's going to move forward. All we need is like five or six to start off with, and then people will start getting the idea of what we're wanting to do, and I think it'll be fine. So um, expect a lot of food content, I guess, is the long story of that. Um, we have some videos that we've released recently, the Brew With Us dinner. That'll be coming out this week, so check that out. That is a really cool thing. Offsquare invited us. They invited 25 people to come brew a batch with them, and we recorded it and filmed it, and it was really great. We just re-released the Chicago Safaris trip with Shay. Shay is an awesome guy. Uh, the trip that we're talking about in particular, we went um, in a van, and Shay is a tour guide. He owns a tour guide business. He wanted to kind of do some cross-collaboration. We got about 12 to 15 influencers in a, in a van and then um, went and did the most Instagrammable places in the city of Chicago. Super cool idea, awesome place, the restaurants were great. Um, really cool to kind of get that perspective. Um, so there's that. And then uh, we just released a Provecho video and that was a brewer's dinner with Crown Brewing. So check that out. Um, some things to look out for. Uh, moving forward, we are getting back on the grind, so uh, we will be at events again. So if you do have events that you want, you think that'd be cool for us to cover, let us know. Um, other than that, um, I think we're pretty basic. So I think that covers a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, I've really covered a lot of what we had going on the last couple of months and just kind of the direction that we're going for 2019 here. So Yeah, and it's going to be crazy. I mean, Kyle, you're kind of in on the, on the intertwine of like the, the office. But it really is, look, by the end of 2019, this is going to not look what it looks like today. And that's really exciting. I mean, we're really jumping into the event space. We have two events in particular that I'm really excited about that I can't wait to announce. The comedy shows have been a huge hit. And so we got two more of those coming February 14th. If you want to be on that, and I mean this, the last one sold out in 20 minutes, tell us, get on, private message us, do something so we know to get you first access to those tickets. Otherwise, we're not going to know. Um, and we do have a form of background that's going to hopefully keep people more engaged as we move forward as well. I can't talk about that either, but um, just a lot of stuff to look out for. So how was your Christmas, Kyle? It was good. Uh, we had our, my family Christmas was spread out about five days. So it was, it was a long stretch of the holiday spirit and just gathering around with friends and family. But overall, it was a really good holiday. Awesome. Um, you seem to not have gained any weight, which is good. At that least is, from, a, from, a, from the viewing side. That is a positive. Yeah. And uh, trying to keep my best uh, figure as is at the moment. Well, you can't say your best figure because you lost your flow. And your flow is a big part of you. That is true. Uh, I did recently get my one-year haircut about three weeks. No, not three weeks ago. Probably two weeks ago. Yeah. And, yeah, no longer had the flow for the hair. And it's short now and probably be another year before I get another haircut. You were somewhere between um, country hillbilly and <laughs> a professor. I don't know where that was with your, with your hair. But it looked good. It, was a, it looked bad enough, though, that it got you as the uh, – the, we did a video for the Tauber Law Offices in Cherville, and um, you were the person that the lawyer picked, Jared Tauber picked, to represent a criminal. So that's good. I got that going for me, at least. <laughs> um, my Christmas, I did not uh, follow Kyle. I, I felt like I gained 50 pounds with all the craft beer and food. 
So over the last like two weeks, I became, I, I tried to become a vegetarian again and uh, not drink. And the first time I broke it was Friday at, uh, when we were at Bourbon A, driving cars around and shooting them. Um, what was the place? Was that Brickworks? Yeah, Brickworks. What was it called? Brickworks? Yeah, I think that, that sounds right. Yeah, so that's where we went there, had, had lunch, and they had like, I had a chicken wrap and a, brew, a beer. I would say their beer, in my estimation, is probably a six. It's a throwback beer style. Yeah, my beer was, I wouldn't even really call it a craft beer because it was, it was a really light beer. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what beer it was, but it was super light. So I didn't get a real good gauge, I guess, on the whole menu of beers there. No, I tried like six. Yeah, you not, did. Not a pint of every one, but... <laughs> the samplers, The yeah. sampler platter. And I called myself a beer connoisseur out loud and instantly <laughs> regretted it. I was like, what the? What am I talking about? It's so stupid. <laughs> Um, uh, so uh, I'm trying to think oh the, you, you brought up something else too that I really wanted to touch on I'm glad you said uh, you didn't say it directly but it, it made me realize that we need to plug the IGTV because the IGTV we've done a lot of content directly for that whether it's the one minute reviews or Shannon's uh, in memoriam of 2018 which was I still someone was at the office yesterday and they were like dude that was hilarious <laughs> so I'm still hearing about that um, and the do's and don'ts of Christmas parties was really funny. That's where you made your debut, right? Uh, I think that was a, a day before I made my debut where I folded a sweater. <laughs> Impeccably. I must say, I don't know if there's too many people out there that could float, fold a sweater quite as well <laughs> as I can. I'm going to just put it out there. So from now on, if you want to challenge Kyle to a folding contest, <laughs> we, will, we will broadcast that live on Facebook. Um, and then you were on a Wing Wednesday. Yeah, uh, we we kind of just were looking for a person to fill in that spot, and <laughs> I got I got thrown in there. Uh, not really a fan of hot stuff, but I think I handled myself pretty well on the wing Wednesday. You killed it, and um, that was at Wild Rose. It was with Dave and Karen DeYoung. Um, thank you for their hospitality. Um, from a and you kind of dodged a bullet there because I think it was one of the tamer wings we've had from a heat side. Yeah, I did. I definitely did get lucky in that aspect. Uh, I didn't experience any of the other Wing Wednesdays from the taste of the wings, but from your uh, experience saying it was the tamest, I definitely dodged a bullet there. So tomorrow we're going to Two Bills Tap in Winfield, and apparently that is insanely hot wings. So uh, <laughs> back on the schneid right away. Yeah, yeah so that'll suck. Um, but we've got that going on. And then I wanted to kind of mention um, the, the the end of the Bears season too, which was which was brutal. Kyle, you're a Bears fan. Um, what were your expectations heading into the game? Going into the game, I thought the Bears had a real chance to win the game. Uh, I think a lot of people were overlooking the Eagles, but just with them being the Super Bowl champs last year, I knew it wasn't just going to be a walkaway game for the Bears. Uh, I think the Bears did enough to win the game, but unfortunately, just how the game went, the Bears did not win the game, man. No, they did not, and I went to the game. And uh, I was really excited about going into it. I remember I have I have a video that I took that I I'll, I'll put together of me and my friends out there. And there's a part of that video is our predictions at the <laughs> at the tailgate, what everyone thought was going to happen, and everyone had the Bears routing the Eagles. Everybody <laughs> did. So um, it's uh, we got to the game, great atmosphere, my first playoff football game, great atmosphere. Um, I like you, kind of worried about the Eagles, just because not so much of last year. But because 
as soon as like Wentz went down, Foles came in. It like re-sparked the offense. They went on to win like four in a row or whatever it was. And you just don't want to play hot teams. You know, it's one thing being good. It's one thing being good and hot. You know, it's a different animal. So um, just kind of went into it that way. I would have rather have seen Minnesota, but I get why you wouldn't want to rest your starters and stuff. I get, I get the whole, I get the argument of both sides of that argument completely. And uh, the being in there, vibe was great. The boom on kickoff was fun. I don't know how did it sound on TV. Did it sound anything? The boom was actually pretty hard to pick up on TV. Granted, I was at a bar, so maybe I didn't get the full aspect no. of the sound, but it. The boom was almost un, unheard on the TV side of things, I feel like. Did you get the Butkus and Urlacher intro? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The bar was going nuts for uh, both Urlacher and uh, Dick Butkus, especially when his hat fell off his head. The entire <laughs> bar went nuts. So I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game. I was in the game. Uh, being at the game, you get, you're get kind of relegated to um, both Jumbotrons, and I had beer goggles on. All confessingly, so it was really <laughs> tough to see everything through. Um, but I will say this: it felt like the Bears outplayed the Eagles for the, at least the first half, um, except for on offense. It felt like they were just sputtering; they just couldn't get anything going. From the south end zone view, it just looked like they refused to throw the ball forward. That was the perception I had. How was that on TV? It just seemed like they're being very conservative put the game in the defensive hands but when the Bears defense made those turnovers with the interceptions they just did not capitalize on it on the offense especially in the first half which I felt like was a big part of why the Bears lost was not scoring points on the turnovers that they generated Hmm. yeah and they had a couple opportunities they had the uh who picked off balls there you had Amos had a pick and then uh Rokon Smith did. Yep, and then Ro- and so they just couldn't get them. The Rokon Smith thing seemed weird. I've heard you say that he looked like he was touched going down, and then I've heard someone tell me yesterday that he wasn't touched, that he didn't actually have possession until after he was touched. It was it was one of those bang bang plays where whatever it was ruled on the field, I felt like they had to stick with that call, and I think that's what happened because I don't think it was ruled. Was that play ruled a touchdown initially? I can't remember exactly. It's tough, man, because I don't think so. I think they ruled them down. Yeah, and I think it was just kind of one of those things with how the new NFL is where it's if there's not enough evidence to overturn the call, they're going to just keep it how it was called on the field, and I think that's kind of what happened with the Roquan Smith play there. Yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. Um, But then, you know, of course it gets down to the inevitable, the double doink. (laughs) The Which, double doink is an all-timer. Um, yeah, I mean, Cody Parkey, I don't know what else to say other than, like, you know, he sucks, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What else can you really say? I mean, he's a professional. He owned up to it at the end of the game. Got to give him credit for that. Um, definitely shit the bed on the Today Show appearance. That, was not, a, that was not a good luck. No, <laughs> no. What are you doing? Why would you do that? Um, and so – uh, I appreciate, I mean, yeah, the offense could have played better in the first half. Yeah, if it's a top five defense in the NFL, they shouldn't give up a touchdown to when it matters at the end of the game. But at the end of the day, the, um, they played well enough to get them in a field goal position for the win, and they lost. And you know what, now seeing the Rams, uh, the uh, Saints-Eagles game yesterday, the Bears would have had a real shot to beat New Orleans. That's what sucks. Yeah. It would have been interesting just to see how the Bears uh, would have done against the Saints. But, yeah, like you said, it just sucks. Yeah. So um, that was kind of that wrap. I got that video 
I might just throw it together and put it on my personal Facebook just for fun. I think it'd be cool for people to check out. I don't know. Um, I think I got like 30 clips of the day that I just I just took out of that because I haven't been filming a lot. So I felt like that was kind of uh, cathartic for me to do. But um, maybe I'll put that together. The other thing I've been kind of paying attention to is um, the uh, NBA a lot more uh, between James Harden traveling all over the court. And then um, just it seems like I, so I was going to mention this. We've got uh, so we did just launch this technology and it's a, called a Matterport and it gives you 3D tech, 3D uh, viewpoints of any kind of space, right? Physical space. And so we took one of our office. We've got stuff that we're doing one for Tavern on Main. We're doing one for Provecho, um, a bunch of other businesses, the Leaps businesses, all that stuff. And it's really cool. It's a great interactive way to kind of touch base with your businesses that you love. Um, but that made us buy an Oculus, which the Oculus is like a 3D goggles, right? Essentially, it's virtual reality goggles. I, th- I think they're just called virtual reality goggles. That's how I know them as. Okay. And so we put we bought these things. They were like 300 and something dollars just to kind of check them out. And crazy how realistic it is. And one of them was um, the Rockets. You can sit courtside. If you've seen those commercials with Jonah Hill, and I don't even know who the other guy is because those goggles are so big, you don't, you can't even tell who the other person is. But it's Jonah Hill with somebody, and they're watching a game courtside. And so I turned down the Rockets-Warriors game, and I'm watching this thing. The weird part about it is they let you in on the game tw- during their warm-ups. So you're there for the warm-ups. So uh, I was under the impression when you were first talking about it, this was a like a previous game. So this was actually live. No, this was a previous game. Okay, okay. So this was a previous game, but they do have it to where if you have a subscription to NBA League Pass, you can watch games live. That's pretty crazy. Crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. sick. And it's like you are on the court, yeah. right? It's nuts. You, it, it throws your mind for a loop. TV will never be the same once people get this. It'll never be the same. So... We're watching this thing, and the one thing that stood out to me watching the warm-ups of the Warriors in particular, I don't think the team or Kevin Durant like each other right now. Kevin Durant went out. So the team gets out there. It's like, all right, Warrior fans, get ready. Here comes the Warriors. You know, and it's like fucking fireworks and all this stuff coming out, and it's like all for layup lines essentially. Durant's not in the layup lines. He's like out of that. He doesn't want to warm up. Then he get, finally makes his way out there. So it's like a 20-minute in-between, like intermission. And uh, he gets out there probably 10 minutes left. So the other guys have been out there for 10 minutes already. Steph Curry, um, uh, Draymond, all those guys are already out there. And I'm underneath the Warriors basket, so I can essentially see everything. And Durant the entire time doesn't talk to anybody except for this, like, backup guard. And they're doing this weird thing where it's like Durant's up at the – so Durant, like this other guy, I feel bad for him. He's literally on the team to warm up Kevin Durant at this point. (laughs) (laughs) He's not taking any shots. It's just playing stupid defense on Kevin Durant. And it gets to the point where he's throwing up like lobs up to Durant. It doesn't make any sense. You'd have to kind of see it to fully understand. But Durant's catching him. The guy's like giving him like an elbow shot to like the the ribs and then falling back so Kevin Durant can do his like – his dribbling on him and then shoot. The entire time doesn't like he does that. They're joking around, just those two together. That's the end of it. Durant leaves before the end of the shoot around, and so the, so he gets there late, gets there gets there late, leaves early, and doesn't talk to anybody else. That's weird. That is weird. Uh, I I definitely think that this is Durant's last season with the Warriors. Even he if did. they do win a championship, I just feel like he went to the Warriors. Uh, the compete for some championships, got that done, won some finals MVPs, and now it kind of just seems like he wants his own squad where he's the leader of 
the team, the sole leader of the team. Yeah, well, that's, I think, the thing when it comes to the NBA, right, is that to really kind of put yourself in the all-time rankings, you need to take a team to the finals and win, right? Yeah. I think that's part of it. I think that's kind of how Jordan reshaped the NBA, I guess, in a sense, where he pretty much led the Bulls to those six championships, and he's been the staple since. Exactly. I would say that. Maybe you can go further back with Magic and, like, and, and Bird. Right, it's like they were kind of the faces of the franchise. They were in the finals all the time, mm-hmm. and then it got to the Jordan era, where Jordan just like a level of excellence, six for six, right? Finals MVP six times. Like he just you couldn't mess with that dude. And then LeBron's kind of sabotaged that in a way because his way of doing it was now if he would have won that first championship against the Spurs with like Booby Gibson as his guard. Then he would have been like solidified himself, and he could have at least been in the argument. Yeah, and I would definitely say that was probably one of the worst teams I've ever seen in the NBA Finals. It was literally just LeBron on that squad. <laughs> I not not a big fan as a Junis Elgaskis. <laughs> I I can't say he's a true number two. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the team had Booby Gibson, who he went off in that in, in, in that playoff, and I think was that the year that LeBron went crazy against Detroit the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think so. I think he scored like thirty something in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he he just went ridiculous on the Pistons there, and that was when the Pistons were still pretty good with Chauncey Billups and all those ben guys. Ben Wallace, yeah. Rip Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace. I mean, good 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 team. Um, the, but to see like him kind of go to Miami to kind of forge it a little bit, even though he's won three, it feels all like they're asterisks. Yeah, they don't feel like the Jordan championships. I agree. I mean, I will admit I'm not a LeBron fan. I respect his greatness as a basketball player, but just kind of how the route he went with his career is just kind of not really have had LeBron in the best light, I guess, compared to Michael Jordan, I, I would say. Yeah, I don't even know if you could even – it's hard to have those kind of conversations without calling one horrible because you can't be like, which one's greater, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? And it's, like, really easy to be like, LeBron James sucks. It's not like – but he doesn't suck, right? Yeah. He's a top ten player in the NBA of all time, and uh, there's no doubt he's one of the greats, but he's not Jordan. And, and I wish that conversation would just end. The other one that drives me insane right now is the Philip Rivers in the Hall of Fame conversation. Can we just end it? Why are one person said that Philip Rivers should be in the Hall of Fame, and all of a sudden it's like common knowledge that he should be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what his playoff record is. I can't imagine he has too many playoff wins, but I feel like, at least for the NFL and at the quarterback position, it comes down to Super Bowls if you're going to be getting into the Hall of Fame. You would think so, right? But and like, don't tell me his stats are amazing, I, I, especially when it comes to like the all-time stats. Because it's like, dude, what are you going to talk about? Like Sid Luckman running the the, <laughs> the triple option like seventy years ago? Yeah, I also feel like the passing numbers are so inflated now, just because of how heavy of a passing game the NFL is compared to the play style of how the NFL used to play back 15 in the years day. ago. Yeah. 15 years ago. Even like about. five, seven years ago, yeah. it was a, a lot different of a game. It's true. And so it's almost like the steroid era for baseball. It's like just because Greg Vaughn hit 50 home runs one year doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. <laughs> so, and like, and I could on, be honest is like if Philip Rivers is a, like, I'm trying to think of like a good 90s comp for Philip Rivers. And I think even Boomer Esiason is too good of a comp because Boomer Esiason, at least, you know, went deep into the playoffs 
It's like I don't even know who would be a good comp, like a 90s quarterback of Phillip Rivers standards. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Vinny Testaverde? <laughs> that may be a little disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's like he was – when is – like I've played fantasy football at least since 1999 on, every single year. I've never been like, fuck yeah, got Phillip Rivers. This season's a wrap. <laughs> never, dude. It's like I never would even draft Phillip Rivers unless it was like the 12th round. Yeah. 13th round. How? Let me ask you this. How did fantasy football work back in 1999? Was this all on the computer still or was this like through like pages or like notebooks and stuff? No. So um, it was definitely all it was the it was the birthing era of Yahoo Sports and ESPN Fantasy. So it was all online. It, re- it rarely was not. Um, so it was all online. The difference was is like now it's just so in-depth. You know, so it's like you can go on Yahoo now and you can go to your team and you can check out like what the pre-draft rankings are and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and like what they're estimated to get. And like that's another thing about fantasy football. Who makes up the projected totals for this season? Yeah, I'm, I have no idea. I'm sure they just plug all these numbers into a computer <laughs> system, and that spits out a projection of some sort. I can't imagine just like a single individual like manually doing it, but who knows? Who, who knows? Who knows? It's like, what? So it's like you're going to look at a guy's last year, and then depending on whether or not a situation got better, just inflate or deflate the numbers? It doesn't even make sense. You, I don't know. That's yeah. another rant. I'm also curious on how accurate those numbers are at the end of the season. Like, what's the relative, like, close close point total to the projected at That's the beginning? That's a good of- research study. We should really do what the beginning of the projected totals were for the 2019 or 2018 season for football and then see where they kind of added out, like, ended up. And if there's any close or if you can even pay attention to them. That would be a great. That would be a great research site. Yeah, as me being an avid fantasy football player, that'd be some pretty cool numbers to see and actually help me for my draft the upcoming year in 2019. Oh yeah, you can just kick those out of the window. Um, the, but to answer your question, the thing that was the most different about today's fantasy football than then is uh, PPR didn't exist. It was all touchdowns or busts. Yeah, um, you get bonuses for like hundred yard games as running backs. And that stuff, and that's the one thing it has shifted. Back in the day, when back in the day, when it comes to this stuff, um, there was feature backs. So like you would draft, you know, I'm trying to think of a good one, Thomas Jones, or and like that was the running back of that football team. Mm-hmm. Now it's like ever since Denver in that mid 2000s went with like the triple backfield of just like a million different dudes like CJ Anderson and you know after the Terrell Davis era and like Clinton Portis um it just screwed everything up because they realized they can have the same kind of output and spread it over two or three guys and not have to pay anybody yeah definitely because I mean I feel like almost every team in the NFL they have at least two running backs that or at least qualified to be a second RB on your squad or like a flex option on your team. Just because yeah. you have one guy that's your downhill runner, then you got a change of pace back that does a lot of stuff out of the backfield with catching passes and stuff along those lines. Yeah, and it's like, to me, it kind of hurts the team because I think in some cases it makes sense, but usually that was like a last option for head coaches who didn't have a feature back. 
Um, now it's like, you know who's another one that was like that? A stud at the time but would be a shit player now would be Travis Henry. Uh, do, you, do you remember the name? The name sounds familiar, but I don't remember the player. Travis Henry was a running back for the Bills in the early 2000s. I think he had about 20 kids out of wedlock. Just side note. Um, him, <laughs> him and Sean Kemp were running for the title. Most kids out of wedlock in the history of professional sports. But um, he would like, score these touchdowns. He would get like 10 touchdowns a game, but he'd, he'd rush for like 40 yards a game. It was crazy. It didn't make any sense. But he was like a stud because of his touchdown totals. Um, that, that guy would be dead today. Because touchdowns aren't enough. Yeah, that's you almost know? how uh, Legarry Blunt's been the last couple of years. Where that's he's, a good comp. He's just a touchdown or bust type of player. Yeah, that's exactly. That's a great comp because um, that's very similar to what it was like. Um, the wide receivers now with the PPR, those have gotten pretty much the same. They've gotten added value because of their ability to catch balls all the time. Um, the, the like the the scat backs seem to have a lot more value than ever. Um, like the Coens, the Christian McCaffreys, those kind of players, um, and so and the and the tight ends gotten to be a more evolved position than it was back then too. There was like two tight ends you draft. Now it's like everybody you can kind of. Yeah, I feel like with the tight end position, especially this year, there's only like three or four really like elite tight ends, and then the rest from like five through twenty, they're kind of just all mixed together in like the same point total that they were going to produce each week exactly and the, the difference between one and ten in the tight end rankings are not nearly as as, as big that yeah. gap is way closer than it ever has yeah been. so um that'd be the difference of that have you are you a baseball guy i was a baseball guy but not so much anymore i used to be a big yankees fan and then after their dynasty kind of ended with jeter mm. jorge posada and all those guys all my favorite players or out of the MLB, so it's kind of hard for me to get back into it without any like favorite players to root for, I guess. You're old enough for that dynasty? Oh yeah, that was when I was probably like seven, eight years old. I was, <laughs> I, I was all about the Yankees. I have a Derek Jeter fathead in my room. Like that was, no way. that was my squad. Big Jeets guy. Yeah, I love Jeets. Oh yeah, Jeets is one of my favorite uh, baseball players of all time for sure. Griffey Jeter. Um, trying to think of who else would be on that list, but those guys just did it with such finesse. And both kind of different players. Yeah. You know, Griffey would hit a ball 700 feet, and Jeter would just kind of like just clutch as you can get. Just get a nice little poke in there at the most critical time. Broken bat like. flare to right field. That was, his, <laughs> that was his staple. The jump throw in the in the five hole, and then the, the broken bat base hit to right field is the Jeter. Yeah, and then uh, not to even forget his last game where he hit the game-winning hit, yep. which was just crazy. So do you are you familiar with the, the – um, the background of baseball and, and what, what happens in those kind of situations? Not really, no. So it's it's a tradition that as a tip of the cap to, like, legends, you feed them fastballs. Okay. That's just the way it is. So you can go back in the history of baseball, and you will see that big players make these big-time hits when it matters kind mm. of in their, in their world. That was a groove fastball for Derek Jeter to do that on. So you're saying only in the regular season, no, not in the playoffs? Yeah, there's no way they would have done that in the playoffs. Gotcha. But like they're like, this is Jeets, this could be Jeets' last at bat. Let's not try to throw nasty breaking shit on the outside corner. Yeah, Let's yeah. just see if would he let him make the out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, the other times you can kind of look back at that. The Kel Ripken retirement year was very was very funny because um, the All Star game was like grooving fastballs to him. He hit a bomb in the All Star game, his last game ever. He hit a bomb in that game. Like it's just like there's no way. 
that is not happening without someone telling them a fastball is coming. Yeah. And so it's kind of just unspoken parts of the game. Um, it, and it dates back forever. Like, even if you go to uh, Jim Bouton's book, Ball Four, um, he talks about in that 61 uh, series against uh, – or the 61 season he was facing against Maris um, and Mantle. Uh, that the t- like, So I think he was on that team, actually. One of the two things. Um, he, was either, he was for sure in the league. But um, one of the one of the pitchers that they were playing the, the game that the, the, between a doubleheader was like saw Maris in the tunnel and was like, dude, you're getting fastballs today. We want you to break that break the record. That's a tip to the cap. Yeah, you know? I, I never knew that. I feel like baseball has like all these like hidden like things within the game that a lot of people don't know about. Especially me, since I don't really follow baseball that much. But I feel like they have baseball has a really cool history as like a sports league with just like hidden stuff like that where tip of the cap and stuff along those lines. Oh yeah, they will they will give a, a legend a way to make it like shine. It's just it's just kind of respect, you know. Um, and that's what's kind of weird is that you get all these conversations it never fails where it's like we've got to talk about what makes baseball more marketable. And it's like if you look over the decades, that conversation's been happening every 20 years. It's dying. It's never going. It's you know. But it's like you look at the attendance numbers last year. It's the biggest numbers ever. Mm-hmm. You know. And stadiums are getting bigger. Players are getting bigger. The salaries are getting larger. You know. So it's just it's it's crazy to think about. It's like all these like weird commentaries about like how the game should change, but it never changes. It's at the times it changes is like when when like you're not supposed to flip a bat seven hundred feet in the air. <laughs> Because you don't want to show anybody up because there's a good chance. And, uh, and this is the way you get taught as a kid playing the game. You don't yell at your teammates for making errors because you're probably going to be the asshole making the next one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just like a way to play it. So um, that's just essentially what that is. But uh, I mentioned that because Manny Machado, I, I was looking on ESPN today, and it uh, looks like the Sox did offer a formal eight-year contract, um, which – I don't know if this is enough time for me to go on another White Sox rant, but uh, I'm sure as well documented, um, I hate their ownership and uh, Kenny Williams in particular. They drive me insane. To me, um, they never they, they cease to ever find an identity. They have good teams and they spoil them with just dumb decisions. Um, like especially two years ago when I feel like they had a good roster with Melky Cabrera, Todd Frazier, um, David Robertson, Chris Sale, um, real players. And instead of just looking down the pipe of, like, a shitty manager they've been holding on to for three years too long because of loyalty, they decide to break it all up and do some form of rebuild, um, which that rebuild lasted, let's be precise, exactly one year. So thank you for that, guys. Thank you for blowing it all up for a one-year rebuild. And thanks for getting rid of a, a, a once-in-a-generation pitcher. Kenny, I, I, maybe we should start up a new segment of like, if Kenny Williams was listening, what would you say to him? Uh, <laughs> um, we'll send him this. We'll have to send this to his email in the White Sox organization so he knows. Um, that, but uh, it, it's just one of those things is just like you just traded all these dudes away, you're rebuilding, and then you have the dumbass like, intuition to spend $280 million on a guy. And it's just like, what is happening with that organization? Why are they in such like limbo? Can Jerry Reinsdorf please just either stop the, owning the team or die? He's doing the same thing to the Bulls. It's just it's it's so old at this point. Kyle, I, <laughs> I like I said, I haven't been following baseball as much as I used to. But one thing I've 
kind of picked up over the years. Whenever baseball players get offered these long six to eight year contracts, normally the first couple years are pretty money. Like you're like, all right, this is gonna work out pretty well. But once you start start getting to the tail end of that deal, the player's not the same as what he was when you signed him to this massive contract and typically doesn't work out to how you expect it to pan out. Never does. And the best part about this Machado deal is going to be he's going to sign with the White Sox. They're going to overpay because it's just stupid money. Um, they've signed half his family at this point just to prove that he they care about him or something. I don't know. And uh, what's going to happen is he's not even going to be a White Sox in four years, and they're going to be eating half the back half end of this contract because someone needs to get rid of him. But, hey, good luck. You know, hopefully it works out. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a few years of 35 home runs, over 100 RBIs. Sounds like he's going to play shortstop, which they're in desperate need of an upgrade for because Tim Anderson, let's face it, sucks defensively. Good bat, though. So hopefully he can turn into something else other than that. Um, but it's not looking great for my White Sox right now, in my opinion. Um, but uh, is there anything else you'd like to add <laughs> to this as we sign off? Uh, no. Hopefully the Bulls could also turn around their franchise as well. They are totally in disarray. Hopefully Zion Williams. That's that's all the Bulls fans have to uh, hold on to at this yep. point. A guy that can dunk all the time. <laughs> so that's, hopefully that works out. Hopefully he develops a jump shot in the next couple of years too, which he probably will. He's a, he's a, he seems like an explosive guy. Yeah. So um, thanks for jo- stepping in for Josh today, Kyle. It yeah, was awesome. No um, and uh, thanks for listening. You can follow us on all platforms. Uh, local 2 and 9 across the board. Local underscore 2 and 9 on, I think, Twitter. I haven't had to say that in a while. Um, and uh, sorry for the delay, but you will be getting these podcasts bi-weekly starting again now. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Later.